You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRank Sports and FanSided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Monday, about a week after free agency has opened, and Packer fans have fallen into, despair is the wrong phrase, but I think the shine has wore off when it comes to Jimmy Graham and Muhammad Wilkerson. And the reason is the team still has not brought in a cornerback of any sort of stature. And this is concerning because the Packers already traded Demarius Randall, and they didn't get a defensive back in return for that trade. They don't have a number one corner. They have Kevin King, who is a talented young player who was inconsistent as a rookie, is coming off an injury, and we have no idea if he's ever going to be a good player. We don't know if he's capable of being a number one corner. What we do know is Green Bay had the opportunity to sign some free agents and didn't. Now, here is one just important caveat that I want to offer. Yes, it is true the Packers have had enough cap space to sign guys to the contracts that they received on the open market in free agency. Aaron Colvin did not cost too much for the Packers. Brashad Breeland, the deal he signed with Carolina, that is now void, by the way. We're going to get to that a little bit later. The Packers could afford to have done that deal. The reasons they didn't, I, I can't say. It is curious to me. And then what we'll start with, this most recent potential transaction that turned out to not be a transaction at all, was the transition tag offer that the Packers gave to Kyle Fuller. Now, there's less to talk about today than there was the day that, that it was made because within 24 hours, the Bears matched the offer. But I just want to recap briefly. The Packers reached out to Richard Sherman after he was released by the Seahawks. He got a, a serious deal with the 49ers because he it was a deal in two ways. It was a bargain for the 49ers because it requires Sherman to hit a crazy amount of incentives to get the full maximum amount of that contract. But he got a big-time corner deal if he hits those incentives. He hit a top corner contract. Obviously, the Packers were not going to pay for Tremaine Johnson, but they were in on him. They called on Dominique Rogers cromartie one of the guys who is still available in free agency. They were in on Bashad Breland, who did sign for what, what I would consider to be a moderate corner contract. But the fact that they were willing to pay Kyle Fuller 
a major number one corner type contract, a top 10, top 12 corner in the league type deal, suggests the Packers understand the gravity of the situation at corner. The reality is they haven't been able to hit on any of these players. There are still some guys out there that can come in and be impact players for them. Ross Cockrell, my, my editor, Tex Western at SB Nation, he loves Cockrell. He is big enough, which is critical, I think, for the Packers. They, they, are, they have not been in on some of the smaller corners. Didn't seem interested in Malcolm Butler. Don't appear to be interested in EJ Gaines. But the bigger corners, the Packers have all been in on. So does that offer a hint at who could be out there that the Packers could still be interested in? Maybe. Maybe not. We'll find out. I don't think their search is over. The fact that they gave this transition tag, I think, suggests that they are willing to pay up. And I think it it could come down to they could be willing to trade up in the draft. We've been talking about this, this cache of picks that they've developed They have the most picks in the draft coming up. Could they decide that they need to trade up to get Denzel Ward? Could they trade up to get a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, who is a slot corner safety hybrid, who can play a dual role in their offense? I think the fact that they have struck out on corners to this point suggests that they could bring back Morgan Burnett, who we know can play nickel. He can play that slot corner role. And that that mitigates the need at corner overall, and it also allows them to to be a little bit more flexible in terms of who they're going to sign if and when they do that. Now again, Ross Cockrell's still out there. Delvin Bro is still out there, who's coming off an injury, but was a quality player before he got hurt. He fits what the Packers want from a size perspective. He could come in and be better than what they had last year. Devon House could come back on a cheap contract and just be a depth player. If he's the starting corner and Morgan Burnett is the starting nickel because he's the safety nickel hybrid and Kevin King, the, the secondary is not that different than it was last year. But you get an extra year of Josh Jones learning the system. You get a, a year of Kevin King. I, I mean, obviously the system is, is new now. But having an NFL year... You have an extra year of Josh Jones being an NFL player. Obviously, he's going to have to learn a new system. Ditto for Kevin King. But that just that year of experience, one of the reasons that the the jump is in year two for, for players in the NFL is not just that they've had this year of experience. They have a full offseason. It can't be understated how much work has to be done for these college juniors and seniors to get into the NFL draft. They're training for the combine. They're, they're doing these interviews, but they're not playing football. They're not, they're not doing the thing. And so to be able to have that full year of experience and then spend the offseason working on what you need to work on, flaws that you know you have in the NFL game or traits you know you need to develop or strengths that you know you need to have, that makes it easier to go in and say, okay, I need to go in, I need to go spend time in the weight room. I need to get stronger. Or I need to get more explosive. Or I need to get whatever it is. Having that opportunity in an NFL program, now you have actual legitimate professionals 
obviously the the strength and conditioning coaches at in college are professionals, but I mean professional team trainers saying this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to work on, this is how we're going to get better. That has value that I I don't think gets enough credit for what it is. So we could see steps forward from Kevin King and Josh Jones. That doesn't mean they're good enough to make this defense significantly better. The Packers have to hope that the arrival of Mike Pettin, mixed with the addition of Muhammad Wilkerson and whoever they get in the draft and whoever they get moving forward in free agency, because I do expect they will they will sign at least one more corner, maybe two. I think that that has to be the plan here. It is it is clear to me. The through lines are obvious. The Packers want a corner. And maybe that means trading for one. We just saw a big trade with the Jets trading up into the top three, trying to get a quarterback pretty clearly. There are going to be other trades out there. There are going to be other teams out there willing to give up pieces. I know that there was, this was floated sort of magically and and fantastically in the ether on Twitter that if if the the Cardinals are going to let Tyron Matthew walk, and Matthew's going to Houston, not Green Bay, though Green Bay was, again, one of the teams interested, why not call on Patrick Peterson? They're not going to compete this year. Now, the fact that the, the Cardinals spent $20 million on Sam Bradford for this year suggests that they're going to try and go after it still, and they're going to try and be a playoff team. So giving up your best corner, who's one of the five best corners in football, probably not in line with the thinking of a team that wants to compete for a championship this year or at least wants to be in the mix. But I think that you're going to continue to see and hear the Packers be involved in some of these deals because they have to be. They have to be. They need to get better at corner. And and it would be easy to say, oh, this is just a continuation of Ted Thompson and, and Packer fans were sold a bill of goods. And they were told that a thing that would be with this new front office has not come to pass. But there's too much evidence that has accumulated over the course of the last few weeks to suggest this front office doesn't want to do it that way. They don't want to sit on their hands. They haven't been. They put in this big offer for Kyle Fuller. They went after Richard Sherman and Tremaine Johnson. There are still moves to be made. There are still players out there to be drafted. There are still players out there to be signed. They're not the high-profile guys, but there were... Listen, there was one corner who was of the highest pedigree in terms of his production in the league. Malcolm Butler was a pro bowler and a, and a second-team all-pro in back-to-back years. Tremaine Johnson wasn't that. Aaron Colvin wasn't that. Rashawn Melvin wasn't that. There, these guys that, that Packer fans had convinced themselves would come in and change their franchise, they're not franchise changers. They're not. They would be upgrades for Green Bay, but franchise changers? They're not that. Now, this, this Bashad Breland saga is interesting and sad and weird and kind of gross. So Bashad Breland signs a three-year, $24 million contract with the Carolina Panthers. It's a great fit. He is the Josh Norman replacement. He is, by time speed, a little slow, but is big, is physical, and does the things that, that they want out of a corner. Similar to what Green Bay would ask of a corner. Green Bay had interest in Breland. 
the Panthers don't pass Breland on his physical because he cut his foot and the foot got infected. Does that mean that it's gangrenous and and is going to fall off and he's not going to be able to play football again? We don't think so. But does it mean that, that he may not be able to sign a contract for a month or two? According to Ian Rappaport, that is exactly the case. So he becomes a player that is back on the market. He could be signed. The Packers could sign him. In some ways, it could end up working out perfectly that this happened because in a couple months, two months maybe, I mean, this is multiple months was the reported timeline. He is not going to be ready anytime soon, was what Rappaport said. Weeks to months. So if he's not ready until until nearing the draft, maybe teams are going to say, look, we can go draft a corner in this incredibly deep cornerback class. The Packers just have very rigid types. We're going to talk about that in a second. So maybe signing Breland is the best option. I expect between now and the draft, the Packers will sign a corner, a starting caliber corner. They could also bring back Morgan Burnett, and, and then that's that. You've got three people in, in the top three positions that you feel good about. They've got Lindsey Pipkins. They'll draft someone, and, and you're off. And what you have to hope for is Muhammad Wilkerson gives you some more pass rush. You have to hope Nick Perry and Clay Matthews stay healthy and that Kenny Clark takes a, a baby step forward as a pass rusher. This should be a good defense then. They have some pieces in place. All right, before I move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. It gets you access to player grades, tools, Charts, profiles for the NFL draft and free agency and all sorts of data that is behind the paywall I'm trying to give to you for free. All you have to do, name, Twitter handle, in a review of this podcast with a five-star review preferably, and you could win. One of the things that I've mentioned on this podcast in the past and have written about and it is, it is out there now pretty common knowledge for the discerning Packer fan and that is the, the thresholds for the front office. And we don't know for sure that that they're going to keep exactly with the old thresholds. I'm not going to get too far into it here in terms of the specifics of it, but the Packers have an athletic profile. They have a kind of corner, a kind of receiver, a kind of offensive lineman that they like to draft. And they stick to these pretty closely, at least at least in the first 4 or 5 rounds. Their, their UDFAs and their late-round picks will sometimes deviate from those thresholds, those athletic profiles that they look for. And I, and I mentioned that in this corner class, there are not a lot of players who fit their profile. Given that they struck out so far in free agency, I wonder if they're willing to back off any of these thresholds, if they're willing to take a risk. They they did when they drafted Randall Cobb. He fell outside of some of the ranges where they like to keep their players. There are some guys in this draft who come up a little short in height or 40 time or three cone, but they're good players and they'd be better than anyone the Packers could put in that position. 
could the Packers say, okay, we understand Jair Alexander, not ideally the kind of corner we would normally like to pick, but he can play in the slot, he can play outside, he is an explosive player, athlete, he can play for us. Or Tavares McFadden, who ran, who runs 4-6, but is a ball hawk as a sophomore at Florida State. He, as a, you know, as a teenager, is picking off Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Brad Kaya, Chad Kelly, NFL quarterbacks. At least two of those for sure. So are they willing to back off some of these restrictive templates? Because they need them. Now, Josh Jackson could be the guy at 14. He fits the mold. But if they are going to keep to these molds, that's pretty restrictive and not sign anyone. They basically have to get Josh Jackson because none of the other guys really in the first three rounds fit what they want. But there's a ton. Everyone agrees. This is an exceedingly talented corner class. There's Denzel Ward at the top in terms of the number one corner and not a lot of other elite players after that. But it is a deep group. You're talking about 10, 12, 14, 16 corners that could go in the top 100 picks. So I think it's certainly in the realm of possibilities that the Packers could say, we're going to back this up a little bit. We're going we're gonna to ease off. And we're going to try and get two or three corners in this draft. Now, the problem with that is rookie corners are usually bad. Kevin King was not great last year. He won the starting job because he was the the least worst corner, or at least the guy that they wanted to give reps. I mean, Demarius Randall got benched. Quentin Rollins got hurt. Packers didn't really have a choice but to play Kevin King. So if you're talking about what this team is going to be year one, that's why they needed to go sign someone. Because it's all well and good. You take Josh Jackson at 14, that's great. He's going to get burned as a rookie on a on a pretty consistent basis in all likelihood, especially someone who has just one year of experience. So the Packers needed to go add. They needed to bring in guys to make this team better. And so far, they haven't done that. So will they adjust? Will they adapt these thresholds to fit their needs? We don't know the answer. Hopefully we'll need the answer less because they'll have signed a player or two to come in and and compete in this secondary. But even if they do, you'd think they'd want to sign someone just to give them some veteran depth, even if it's just Devon House. I mean, if they if they can trade up if they can trade up for someone like Denzel Ward, that is a, that is or if he falls to 14, that would be let's say he falls to 12. He's sitting there at 12 and the Packers can offer you know, one of their one of their other picks, a third or two thirds or whatever it is, uh, mo- they have multiple fourths. So now they have that that top fourth plus their compensatory pick. If they can if they can package a couple of those mid round picks to move up and get a guy like Denzel Ward, he can start opposite King. He can move inside in the slot, and then if your if your third corner is someone like a Devon House who is just there to, to be a body and a rotation-level player. Then you have Ward sliding into the slot. You have House on the outside. And if King takes a step forward, you know, that's a, that's a good enough secondary 
if Pettin is as good a coach as I think he is because you're going to have a really good front four and a really good front seven and you're going to have more creative blitz packages and you're going to have a better scheme. You're going to give yourself a better chance to win. If you're the Packers, I don't think Josh Jackson is the prize now. I think you have to think Denzel Ward. You have to go get the best corner in the draft. And if that, I, I don't think it's going to mean getting up to, you have to get up to eight or six or go crazy. If they can get to 10, they wouldn't have to give up a lot to get up there. I mean, the, the, the Jets didn't have to give up another first to get from six to three. And those picks are much more prized. No, they had to give up two seconds. They had to give up three top 100 picks. But to get from 14 to 12 or 11 or 10, maybe they wouldn't have to give up a ton of other premium assets to move up. And so that would, to get the number one corner, and, and in my opinion, the number one defender in this draft, the best defensive player in the draft, that's worth it. We'll see. There's a lot more to, to figure out. We're going to have shows Wednesday and Friday. I said hopefully we had a corner to talk about today. We didn't because a lot of them have signed, but there's still guys out there. Ross Cockrell, DRC. We don't know what the deal is with Pashad Breland. There could be trades to be made. We didn't know Kyle Fuller would be on the radar until he was. He's now on the radar. So we should have our radars ready to go. We should, we should have them finely tuned because there's going to be a lot going on. We're going to have a lot more to talk about this week. As we get closer to the draft, we'll have more discussions about that. I'm going to bring you interviews with people who know a lot more about the draft than I do. And I studied pretty hard. So that means you're going to, you're going to get to talk to some really smart people, much smarter than me about, about these prospects. So we're going to have those discussions moving forward. I'll talk to you next on Wednesday. Keep it locked on my Twitter feed at Peter underscore Bukowski. Keep it locked on Twitter feed for this podcast at Locked on Packers. And always stay Locked on Packers.